0: Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with this week's host, Helen Hillocks. I'm Todd Benton, your co-host. Today's topic, did your candidate win or lose? Are you gloating or enraged? Where do we go from here? A discussion of how we can move forward after one of the most contentious election seasons ever.
1: Oh, you're not the- talking about this one, are you? <laughs> you must be no. no. talking about another one.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Today, Helen Hillix interviews the inimitable Beth Green about how to come together, that would be you, and how to come together and move beyond the vitriol and downright meanness of this election. Can we overcome the hatred that's been stirred up on both sides? Can we work toward healing the issues that surfaced during this election? The issues of racism, immigration, corporate greed, trade agreements, job losses to overseas workers, global warming? healthcare costs, education costs, and more? Can Donald Trump mend the rift that erupted between Democrats and Republicans and even within each party? Or will the contentiousness and partisanship continue and take us all down with it? Beth will weave her magic as she helps us see what we're facing and what we can each do to find the commonality that is imperative if we are going to heal. Join us for Beth's perspective on all this, a perspective you may not expect to hear, and call in with your own questions too. So to do that, you're going to call 866. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to give that number in just a second. It's 4725788. <laughs> Thank you. That's 8664725788. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. You're selling.
2: Hi everybody and welcome. We're so pleased to have you listening today whether live or on podcast and of course we're always so happy to have Beth Green as our wonderful guest because we know we're going to be surprised, delighted and probably challenged to our bones by what she tells us.
1: (laughs) Or at least we'll be laughing.
2: Yes, at least we'll be laughing. <laughs> we hope we'll be laughing. Many of us are crying, but um, we hope we'll be laughing by the end of the show. I do have a few uh, inner revolutionary news articles, most of which Beth contributed. Um, so you know, she's a double a double benefit. A double to agent. Us.
1: A That's double right, agent. a double
2: agent for us today. Um, so the first one is a a Huffington Post article from the from yesterday an article by David Moya, I think it is. And it says, Bernie Sanders is willing to work with Trump, but there is a big if. And Sanders has said that he, that to the extent that Trump is serious about pursuing policies that improve the lives of working families, that progressives are prepared to join with him. And he he also says that, that Trump won because people are sick of seeing their jobs go overseas and the middle class shrinking and... Uh, all of the downturn of the economy for a, a large percentage of people. So if if uh, Trump is serious about that, then Bernie is is with him as well as the progressives, which I think is a very hopeful sign. However, if Trump pursues racist, sexist, xenophobic, and anti-environment policy, Sander promises that we will vigorously oppose him. So I feel like this this article is really a reflection of how many people are feeling that we're looking for something positive to hold on to and looking for the commonality, which I know Beth will talk about a lot today. And that article represented that to me is that Bernie's already reaching out and saying, you know, we have something in common. We can work together if you will focus on this. Okay. The next article Beth also sent us from CNN and it is thousands take to the streets, to protest Trump win. And this is the other side of the reactivity. Some are reaching out for commonality, and some are in the streets protesting. Uh, t- protesters targeted Trump buildings in New York City and Chicago and and were out in the streets in many other places, Austin, Denver, Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, and many other places, too. People were chanting vulgar things about Trump carrying signs that say they can't believe they still have to fight for civil rights. Mm -hmm. Others said that they were out there because it alleviated some of their fear to be in the streets with others. And other people chanted, I will not live in fear. And some of the uh, Latinos who were protesting said, si se puede, which it can be done. Mm -hmm. And there were also people, the article said, who the mourners, for the Clinton loss. Also, thousands of people gathered in D.C. um, expressing how they were so distraught, fearing that everything that has been built will be torn down. So that's the other side of of the story is people, you know, many, many people are terribly upset and distraught. And that's why we're having this show today is to try to bring some centeredness, some calm to the storm, and to help open a way forward in some people's minds. Another Beth article from MSN on November 6th. Now, this is, this is an interesting article in that it's talking about how hopeful we are about medical uh, family leave, and the, the title is, The U.S. has never been closer to passing a, pay, a paid parental leave bill than it is now. Well, we'll see. It goes on to say that, that there are 180 nations with laws guaranteeing some sort of paid maternity leave, even in places like Afghanistan, Syria, Haiti. And there, and there are nine countries without it, six tiny itsy bitsy islands, and guess who? Us, the US. I, it's just unfathomable, unbelievable. So there is legislation now in both houses of Congress. Now, there was a, d- a slight difference. Donald Trump supports six weeks of maternity-only leave through an expansion of federal unemployment leave, while Hillary wanted 12 weeks for both parents. So we'll, we'll see what happens now with that. But I thought that was an interesting uh, article, that something that's up in the air right now, and whichever way th- the presidential election had gone would definitely change the outcome, and we'll wait and see what happens. And the fourth is an article unrelated to politics. Uh, Well, we think. I don't know. (laughs) Christine sent us this article from the New York Times, and it is entitled... Putting Sugary Soda Out of Reach. And one of the reasons, I i mean, in the interrevolution.org, we definitely, Beth guided us 30 years ago to stop eating sugar. And now it's finally catching on that, hello, you know, it's not good for you. So um, this article is about the uh, University of California at San Francisco has 24,000 employees And it started in the Health Sciences Center that they removed all of the sugar-sweetened beverages from their entire campus, even in stores like Subway and vending machines and food trucks. And they decided to study what ha- <clears throat> excuse me, what happens when you stop that kind of sugar intake. And they're following, they don't have the results yet, but they're following 214 employees very rigorously with blood samples and so forth. And they're hoping, they say that the results are promising, but they don't really have any final results yet. And then of the 2,500 surveyed, that said that their consumption of sugary drinks has been reduced by 25% overall just by the absence of it at at their workplace. So even though 25% seems like a a drop in the bucket, it is certainly a beginning. The World Health Organization is suggesting a 20% tax on sugary drinks and says that that will result in a 20% reduction in consumption. So we can hope for that, too. And at least 30 medical centers in the U.S. have banned sugary drinks now. So there's there's some good news on the health front. Uh, and we hope that that continues and expands. So... Now we're going to move over, unless you want to add some things to the to those news articles, Beth.
1: We're, no, no, not necessary. Okay. Thank I, you, Helen.
2: So we've got so much to cover today and so yeah. little time to do it. And I just want to start out by saying, you know, so obviously many, many people are terribly upset. And the protests around the country are, are saying so, too. Uh, people are, are terrified in other countries. You know, it, it's just a mess. And deep prejudices have surfaced not only between black and white and Muslim and non-Muslim and male and female, but the, you know, long-time government versus the outsiders and maybe most of all, Democrats and Republicans. And I've been reading a bunch of articles in preparation for this radio show. I've read several op-ed pieces over the last couple of days, and Several, you know, Beth. If you haven't read Beth's blogs on Medium and the Huffington Post about stand and deliver and a positive way to move forward, you you have to go find those. Just look up Beth Green, and you'll find the list of blogs that she has on both sites. And those articles are are so wonderful. And I know Beth will be talking about some of the content on the show. But do. Do go to those. Uh, they're
1: also on our Facebook page. If that's easier for folks.
2: Wonderful. Yes. Go to Beth Green and the Inner Revolution on our Facebook page and find those articles. And please like and comment and share because they're very powerful and they're just what we need right now. So looking for common ground and uh, you know finding a way forward together rather than all of this hysteria and despair. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's one perspective. Is is Beth's? Other people are appealing to us to look at our prejudices against conservatives, and I I loved that, and I'd like to, you know, to talk to you about that. And I think I will just transfer now our discussion over to you, Beth, and have you give us some. Overall comments about the election, and I've got a whole bunch of notes of things that I've read over the last few days, but I think I'll just try to ask you some questions as we go along and not set the stage anymore because I'm i ready to hear what you have to say.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, do you have a specific question where you would like me to start? Because it's such a vast topic.
2: Well, the vast topic, I don't know if it's a specific really question, but it's about how can we move forward together when people are in so much despair, when people who didn't, who you know, the Hillary supporters, namely, are just, uh, you know, distraught, emotionally distraught out of their yeah. minds.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I would like to start with the feelings. I, I think that's a great place to start before we get into what we can do politically or any of that. So let's talk let's talk about our feelings. And I think it connects to what you were just talking about is we can't be prejudiced against conservatives, we can't be prejudiced against labels. We need to actually start listening to each other. Now unfortunately, sometimes when I listen to conservatives, I get even more angry than when I don't listen. I this is I have to be very honest with you. And it's not because I'm against conservatives, you know, on principle. It's that I I am appalled that one of the first two things that Trump is talking about doing is uh, eliminating all the environmental safeguards because he thinks that climate change is a hoax. And that, I have to admit, scares me. On the one hand, it scares me. On the other hand, it sort of it delights me. It's like, okay, let's, why don't we just self-destruct and leave the planet alone? So that's the good news. But the <laughs> bad news... See, the bad news is that so many people and animals and plants are suffering and are going to suffer with this kind of upheaval. I mean, uh, you know, I live in a place where, you know, we've seen such hot summers and the the deer are wandering around and they're stressed and the trees are stressed and millions and millions of trees have died in in California. Um, You know, this is, they're suffering while that's happening right now based on climate change. And it's only to get worse. And it's definitely going to get worse with these new Republican schemes because it's really not that Trump won. It's that the Republicans have taken over the government. And as we are horrified to acknowledge, a lot of Republicans are saying that global warming either doesn't exist or it's not uh, human-made or human-impacted. And that is just something that I cannot grasp. See, that to me doesn't have to do with being conservative at all. It has to do with being ignorant. And it has to do with being pro-business at right. any cost. Greed. Now, greed. Now, Donald Trump has come forward. And, of course, the other thing is health care. So now they're saying the first thing they're going to do is they're going to eliminate Obamacare. So what about the 20 million people you know who are under obama camp. where are they going and what happens to the people who have pre-existing conditions and so on and so on there's real people involved and there's real suffering i certainly hope that uh whether you're a, a republican or a democrat or you're a conservative you have to think about the impact of the lack of health care even on our own economy you know with people out sick um uh, But, you know, people, uh, don't you love it when you know that somebody in the kitchen of your favorite restaurant uh, has an illness and they're coughing into the soup? (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's so fundamental. Not only is it a human right, but it's practical. And it's the same thing with global warming. Do we want to continue paying these outrageous bills for the destruction caused by global warming or are we going to invest in green energy? So these two things to me are not conservative. They have other reasons and they have to do with putting business first. Now, how can Trump stand there and say that he is for us and he's gonna be a great president for all of us when he doesn't take care of our health care? And when he doesn't take care of the environment, which we all live off of. So what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's about conservative or liberal or progressive. I think really it's are we protecting business or are we protecting people? And I don't even like the duality of that. You know, if you could really convince me that something that helps business helps everybody, I'll be all for it. Why? I'm not against business. I'm just against the mindless greed and the devastating uh, impact that greed has had. They're going to try to repeal, um, you know, all of the uh, the the um, Trade Wall agreements. Street. Well, also uh, the the um, new structures on regulations. Thank you huh, on Wall Street. You know, this is stupid. What we've done has led us to a terrible financial collapse. And let me just add that we have a lot of experience already that shows that trickle down economics does not work and just leaves a lot of people poor. So, you know, I am not against the goals of a healthier economy. I'm not against the goals of everybody having more income, but I am against uh, this facade. That they're for us when they're really just for business. So this is a very sad moment. And I feel I understand why people are afraid. We're already seeing it. I mean, he's just gotten through the, uh, the starting gate and the threats are out there. And Ryan is that because, again, we keep focusing on that Trump one. No, the Republican Party has now got control of the House, the Senate and the white house and s- shortly they're going to try to get control over the supreme court as well so there isn't any discussion there isn't going to be you know that requirement of people actually sitting down and thinking i'm against stupidity i'm against people <laughs> not talking to each other and figuring out what's really for the highest good of all i'm against selfishness i'm against the ego domination And um, that's really what I am against. And I don't know. I'm hoping beyond hope uh, that I have no idea if I'm even answering your question, but I'm hoping beyond hope that uh, there are a lot of people in the Republican Party or who voted for Trump who really don't agree with those policies. And let's not forget that Hillary Clinton actually won the popular vote. So there is no mandate. It only, you know, the the Republicans are going to claim the mandate, but there really isn't a mandate. There are some, you know, sneaking in some um, anti-LGBT, you know, uh, programs. And I tell you, you know, that's not where America is. That's not where our heart is. I think that for most of us, our hearts are in the right place. We're just tired of being... um, deceived, and um, ignored by the establishment. So here's the horror to me, is that the Republicans control everything, and we're going to have to fight really hard to make sure that those Republicans who are in the pockets of business, which Donald Trump claims that he's going to end corruption, right, that they are not running the country and that we have no say. And that's more of what concerns me than whether or not, quote, Donald Trump has won. And, you know, if he has the nuclear code and he pushes the button, well, again, that will be the end of global warming, although maybe the, the nuclear bombs will create a lot of heat. I'm joking, by the way, those of you who don't <laughs> know me. <laughs> so, so it's the policies that I'm worried about. It's not the personalities. And I really like what Bernie said. But we're, you know, it's not about Trump. We have to all speak together about what's important to Americans. We have to reach out to Americans to try to find in those who voted for Trump that same energy that we're feeling. If we had elected Hillary Clinton, can you imagine what kind of a mess we'd be in? The Republicans would... Yeah, I mean, the Republicans- there would be
2: people in the streets protesting her election
1: exactly,
2: and warning mour- the- his defeat
1: exactly. And there'd be a lot of people say, "Oh, it's rigged, it's rigged." And that would be an excuse for the white supremacists to come out with their guns, or for the and 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 there would also be more you know investigation of Hillary's emails, as though her emails were the most important and the only significant issue. Of the 2016 campaign. And then we would have had the problem of we would have a a, a Democratic Party that came up with a candidate who was conventional and fit the Democratic establishment uh, instead of a a candidate who was more, as many people have already said, you know, much more of an outsider and a rebel, Bernie uh, Sanders. So we would be having to fight the Democrats. Now, I'm not saying that I'm welcoming the assaults on, you know, Mexican people or Muslim people. We don't really even know what Donald Trump is going to try to do about all of those things. But we do know he's going after the environment. And he do, we do know that he's going after any regulations on business and on big business. And that's something that a lot of us can get together around.
2: Absolutely. And what about the feelings? What can people
1: do Oh, yes, I started with the feelings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you said you wanted to talk about the feelings. I and you, did. And you talked about your feelings.
1: <laughs> I did.
2: <If> have- <laughs> Which was great, and I, I appreciate everything that you said, and I, I totally, uh, completely agree that those two issues are the most frightening things that we're facing, is the demolition of health care and the environment, as well as the deregulation of business. I mean, all three of those are, are really terrifying.
1: Yes, but- I mean... Because business even, but see here, look, we have regulation of business and it's still corrupt. You know, we have Obamacare and there are still people who can't get insurance and it's ridiculous. We have, we all, it's not like what we had was so great. And that's the feeling that I'm. Coming back to, and that I want to share with other people, you know, I totally understand the fear, and we we even have a, a new Facebook post that's going out from the Inner Revolution about the fear of the uh, the child, the Hispanic child, and the Muslim child, and the and the, the elderly, and the people who have no health care or won't have any health care if they re- you know just repeal Obamacare. I I I mean I can't even begin. Uh, the feelings of the environmentalists who have worked so hard to get to this point. And then to have a government come in, it's like a big boot on your heart. And it's frightening and it's distressing. But I'm saying let's not get sidetracked because the fact is that our electoral system was rigged and... Still is. And it it is, I mean, I can see the fun of Trump uh, besting his own Republican establishment because of those little worms, right? When they thought Trump was losing, they were all leaving the ship. And now that Trump is winning, they're all like flying high. They have no principles. They are so corrupt, right? And so I'm looking at that and it's sort of a sick display of exactly what Trump says he's railing against. But then he's going to put people like stellar people like Chris Christie, who is, you know, probably a breath away from indictment. And by the way, Donald Trump is facing lawsuits, too, and going to court about his uh, Trump University. Um
2: Right, and then people like people are saying that he's going to put Rudy Giuliani as the attorney general and Newt Gingrich as secretary of state. I mean, it's so hysterical running uh, uh, on yeah. running on the policy of being an outsider and then putting these old time, really? traditional people in in those positions. That's right. scary too.
1: <laughs> that that really is scary. But you see how even you know Trump says he's got this rebellion going on but he better we he better have a rebellion i'm not seeing the rebellion yet i'm seeing the acquiescence to business i see the uh you know the just bringing up the bigots that is not a rebellion against the system and i want every trump supporter to pay attention to what trump is actually doing and who he's putting in charge and get past you know the glow and the confetti and say what is he doing And what is he doing for us? What is he really doing for us? And where are these uh, going to go? The Ryan budget, I mean, it is so regressive against working people. Um, So what is he going to do? But also, we on the other side have to wake up to the reality that what we were getting was counterfeit also. I'm not saying that I did not prefer Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. I would be a liar. If I didn't acknowledge that, but I was not happy with the powers that be and the way they did things. I think she was too cozy with Wall Street. Now, I do believe in oneness, like, okay, we should talk to Wall Street about reforming itself. But there was not that in your belly kind of we have to change the system feeling. So we would have had to be fighting anyway. Let's try to find the people who want to fight the corruption who want to fight the rigged system. And that is not Donald Trump and the Republicans. And it's not really Hillary Clinton either.
2: Right. That was one of the op-ed pieces that I read, is that the reason that, that the Democrats lost is because we were trying to fight the, what looked like Uh, somebody who was rebelling against the system with somebody who was deeply entrenched in it, you know, which has been said many times and that we would have been, you know, much better off with someone like Bernie Sanders who really wanted to redistribute the wealth.
1: Yeah. 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 And could have been really stood up and said, you know, I'm a friend of the working class. Now, again, I'm not trying to put down Hillary Clinton and say that she had no good uh, qualities. I don't feel that way. And you know I respect her. I think she's really worked hard in her lifetime, but she's a product of another consciousness. And it's not the consciousness that we need. So in a way this how do we turn this election around is by saying this election means we want revolution. And so let's have one. <laughs> you know, we want a revolution in the way we do things. Let's have it. Amen. So we turn our despair into action. And and we we are we have that moment of honesty about what we've just been saying that a lot of people did not trust Hillary Clinton and did not trust her politics and could not totally get behind her. So I mean it's really amazing, isn't it?
2: What is really amazing?
1: Well, it's it's really amazing that people can't uh, own that, can't own the fact that Hillary was a weak candidate. I, I wrote a blog on the Daily Cause. Do you remember this, Helen? Absolutely. A, cu- a couple of months ago, and more than I th- a couple. Yeah, I can. Yes, it was. I don't know exactly when it was, but it's some time ago. And I was talking about, I thought that the Daily Cause was a progressive blog site. And I wrote about how, I now I know how the, the, the Republicans feel about having this candidate who is flawed and that they don't trust. And uh, by the way, I'm sure there are some uh, people who voted for Trump who are thinking, oh my God, what did I do? But anyway, um, you know, I said that Hillary, you know, she had some good qualities, but a lot of us, Feel that you know she, she's not a strong candidate for this reason and that reason, and the Daily Cause shut me down. I mean, shut me down. First, they unleashed I don't know so many comments, really vilifying me. And then when I tried to defend my positions by pointing to things that Hillary had done that at least had the appearance of corruption, they removed my. Responses they left the vilifying responses and they removed mine, and I was horrified. And then they shut me up co- totally, they wouldn't let me write anything on my own blog site, <laughs> and then they wouldn't let us remove my account, they kept us in there. And I just dis- only then discovered that you know, some time before maybe a month or two before that they had decided that they were going to become a pro-Hillary site. Now, how stupid is that? That you can't be a pro-Hillary site by shutting up people who are pointing out the weaknesses of the candidate who might actually have something to offer about how that candidate could be strengthened.
2: Absolutely. If only they had listened. Really? You know, one of the op-ed things that I read was in The Guardian by Thomas Frank who said that Hillary Clinton was the wrong candidate. She was a technocrat who offered fine-tuning when the country wanted to take a sledgehammer to the machine. Yeah. (laughs) I love
1: that. So, you know, there is that piece, and I don't want to poo-poo people's fears. I mean, I have them too, and they're real, and they're based on reality, but why don't we celebrate the fact that the country wants a sledgehammer? They just picked up the wrong instrument, And that's the Democrats' fault.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. And I think that some of the other op-ed pieces that I read were all suggesting, you know, just as you just did, Beth, let's get together and fight like hell. Yes to, you know, let's not, you know, stand around mourning the loss, you know, let's get together and fight like hell to come up with policies and people that can implement them, you know, as well as doing all of what we can do individually, volunteering, donating, uh, you know, taking care of ourselves.
1: Yes, you know, we can, the environmental movement is still there. The Latino population is still growing. Uh, the black population is still, you know, more organized than it was before Black Lives Matters. I mean, we are still here. And we still have a voice. You know, one thing that I can guarantee you, I believe, now maybe I'm wrong about this, that the Republican administration is going to be very dysfunctional. <laughs> because it all, Because government is dysfunctional. <laughs> And there's going to be arguments and problems on every side. And things are going to be done that are going to make people angry. And, you know, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Now, maybe I'm, this is wishful thinking. <laughs> but I well, remember when Obama was elected, I think there was a Democratic Senate. And of course, we still had the Republicans. But there are still Democrats. In the government, and then there are moderate Republicans in the government who don't agree with, you know, Paul Ryan. So we we're very likely to see uh, not a total monolithic movement towards, uh, you know, uh, vacuous policies, but that we're going to see a lot of sputtering and experimenting, and there's going to be backlash. I mean, they have to deal with the backlash of the left and the people. And how do we know that there aren't some Trump supporters who aren't gonna get angry? Of course, they may try to blame the Democrats, but ultimately, you know, we have to really watch and not feel like the last straw has fallen on the camel's back.
2: Right, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. You know, we, we cannot give up now Things that really are, the interestingly enough, things are as they are. We just didn't know it. Yeah. You know, we were trying to delude ourselves into thinking that they were one way, but this is how they are.
1: Yes. Right. Which is why this is the moment where we can do something possibly, and I'm not saying we can or that we will, but that we might be able to actually have an inner revolution where people start behaving differently. I already saw in our little community, there is a uh, an email list, that um, some people in my community are saying, let's get together, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and anybody, and let's start talking about the issues that relate uh, to us locally and see if we can get past all of that. I was so thrilled about that. We've been doing humans for a, uh, a real conversation. Um we are not done reaching out. I don't think that anybody is done. Maybe we woke up. Maybe too many people have been sitting on the sidelines and haven't really put themselves out there. Maybe people haven't acknowledged that what we need is a revolution of consciousness where we st- we stop having business as usual. You know, if Hillary had gotten in, there would have been a lot of feeling of that. Oh, yes, we can continue with business as usual. I love Obama. When I listen to him talk, I think, oh, my God, we have an intelligent person as president. How, you know, an educated man and how wonderful. And I'm not saying that he did this deliberately, but Obama was definitely an incrementalist. And, you know, maybe he felt that that was all we were ready for, or maybe he made a mistake. How can we judge in retrospect? But more incrementalism on top of more incrementalism is still going to leave the people feeling angry and uh, what would that have led to? Where we are today. Exactly. It could have been worse because then we would have had a democratic regime that can't that uh, would have gotten voted out in two years. Right.
2: You know, one of the things that I that I think you're speaking to, Beth, is that those of us who are uh, consider ourselves progressive have not come together enough, have not had loud enough voices, have not fought hard enough. And perhaps, as you're saying, we we will be energized now to come together and people that have been, you know, hanging on the sidelines for a better, for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, will be energized to join the inner revolution, as you're saying, and not the innerrevolution.org, but the larger inner revolution, the, the revolution inside ourselves. It says, I have to act for the highest good of all. I can't just expect government to do it.
1: And it's not just the government. Here's another thing. You know, for some conservatives, they look at the media, and the media has been more liberal than conservative. I i mean, for a while, anyway. And I've watched that and I have found that very comforting. Although liberalism is not exactly my cup of tea, <laughs> I mean, but it's better. You know, I was like, oh, I would rather have people who think that Roe v. Wade should be the law of the land uh, on the airwaves. And then, of course, there was Fox News and I was appalled. However, for the people who were maybe religious conservatives, or people who were economic conservatives, they felt pushed out of the conversation. Now, this is different from the people who are just angry because they feel they've been left out of the system. I'm talking about people who have principles that have been in opposition to what has been looked like our popular culture. You know, our popular culture, I'm not going to deny this, our popular culture is full of sick sexuality. Um, no values, violence, and so on. And that isn't okay for me either. That's why I said it's not about conservatives. I mean, I, 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 want, I don't think we can legislate it and say thou shalt not. You know what's the absurdity? I am not allowed to use six words on the radio. One of them happens to be a word that describes excrement. Now, can you tell me why the word that describes excrement can't be said on the radio? I mean, we we have such stupid regulations. It's unbelievable. But they can talk about, you know, P blank blank, S, S blank. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, 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 I've never been able to start. So there are a lot of stupid regulations. Our culture has is very sick. And I mean, and I'm saying that because... I know that people are not well mentally and emotionally. And we've been t- fine with that in a way if the people who are speaking are like liberal. And so there are people who've looked at the liberal media and they're angry about it. And, you know, again, I'm not for legislating morality. I'm not. Uh, certainly i'm not saying we shouldn't have gays or lesbians or, because I, I think that's perfectly natural i'm not talking about that but i 'm talking about the exploitation of sexuality for profit and um, the uh, you know the, those kind of attitudes that we think are chic well guys that's Pretty bad. Now, consider yourself sitting there in Kansas somewhere holding your Bible, listening to this stuff. You, If you're not looking at pornography yourself when nobody's looking, you know, you could be upset. See, the, a lot of conservative people have been upset for a long time. Now, we get to be the ones who are upset. Well, I mean, and it's it's always been like that. I was terribly upset when George Bush was president, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, he brought, brought us into the Iraq war and he tried trickle down economics that brought us uh, and unregulation un- brought us to the brink of, you know, nearly a depression. But and we, you know, but the, I was very upset when Reagan came into power. My life was directly impacted by Reagan becoming governor of California. There's a lot of people who are going to be directly impacted by these policies. This is something that has always horrified me when people don't think about that. But what I am trying to say is there are people who have felt outside and they ha- some of them have some good points.
2: Well, exactly. I, one of the things that keeps showing up in the in the op-ed pieces and social media and so forth over the last few days, one of the calls to consciousness that is most optimistic to me is that people are thoughtful people. A friend of mine that I went to high school with is retired as the editor in chief of uh, some big uh, uh, Seattle newspaper, and he was writing, you know, I woke up and I started thinking, what do I need to learn from this? Uh, what, what have I not been listening to that made this such a shock for me? Yes. And he, he was saying, you know, that these people are in genuine pain, and I have not been listening to yes. them.
1: It's and like a bubble. It's another bubble, like the Hollywood bubble. All the celebrities coming out for Hillary didn't get Hillary elected. Right. Right and, and Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that there were all kinds of bubbles that we've lived in that, uh, that make us feel okay unless we we're outside the bubble.
2: You know, you were talking about the liberal media, yeah. and another f- article that I read was talking about research that they have done in academic settings in universities all over the country um, about how few conservatives – are hired in uh, in the liberal arts departments, anywhere in the liberal arts departments, and that they did a, a study about um, assigning scholarships to people, and they did a review of Democrats on one side, Republicans on the other, and they found that with everything else um Accounted for, controlled for all the other yeah. variables, that four fifths of the Democrats would only give scholarships to to young people that were Democrats, and the same thing for the Republicans.
1: Oh my God! That, that it
2: was way more than than racial. You know, if if they were black yeah. or white, that didn't make much difference. But if they found out they were Republican and you were a Democrat, screening you wouldn't give it to them four fifths of the time. Wow. Talk about I, not listening to one another.
1: Yes, I mean we are trying to have a real conversation. Our humans for a real conversation. What we're what we've been starting with is trying to get under the vote. Try to understand why people voted for whomever they voted for. Why someone voted voted for Hillary or for Trump or anybody else. But you know, beyond that, we're once we start to connect on that human level. We hope to start having a real conversation. I have been frustrated all my life. I was frustrated when Obama was president. <laughs> I still is. Uh, you know, I've been frustrated all my life because I have never felt that we have real conversations about anything. You know, we don't talk about. I. I don't mean anybody, of course. Um. You know, speaking, you know, in a hyperbolous way, but um. We we have not been talking about capitalism. We haven't been talking about income inequality. We haven't been talking about spirituality. We haven't been talking about um, you know what is nature. We haven't been talking about love. We're not talking about connection. We're not talking about compassion. You know, it's all um, it's all jockeying for power and being right and being wrong, and we don't have real. we, we do not have a real conversation about abortion. Uh, you know, we've talked about that many times, uh, you know, ourselves, we don't have real conversations and I can find myself having a knee jerk reaction too. uh, you know, oh, well, I don't want to talk to you because you believe such and such, but am I really willing to have a real conversation with you? I, the one thing that I would pray for if we're going to have a real conversation is that we start getting real information. Our addiction to ignorance is horrifying
2: our addiction to instant gratification, which causes us to be, you know, addicted to ignorance.
1: That's a very good point. I mean, we want to have an opinion before we have information. We want to be right rather than to be reasonable. You know, we we don't want to understand. We don't want to come together. That's the ego. You know, I have to mention it. It's you know, it's in there somewhere all the time, right? Yep. It's our egoic way of being, viewing the world, and it's not caring about our neighbors. It's not caring about even our deepest selves. We've been so addicted to the lollipops of luxury for those of us who can even have those that we don't look at the suffering on our planet, uh, the animals, the people, even the plants and the vegetables, right? Absolutely. Our our environment is suffering. We don't look at it because we are just, I want the latest kind of cell phone and I want this and I want that and I want the other thing. And it's all within the context of the society as we have inherited it. It's staggering to me how little we actually think about what we're doing, how little we think about the clothing we wear and where it comes from, as we talked about with Andrew Morgan on the, the true cost. How little th- we think about what our, the food we eat is doing to our bodies and to our children. And uh, to the climate. And to the climate. And so on and so on. We, humanity, we need to start thinking. We need to really start exploring and getting honest about all these traditional ways of being. That have not worked. They never have. They, they don't work for anybody. I, I really believe that the richer suffer. Well, we, we had, uh, you know that guy on for Josh uh, Hoxie, you know, talking about uh, how you know, the rich suffer too. They're not as happy, they're not as well when we have this kind of income inequality. You know, We inherited a world. You know you wake up, you inherit a world, and you, it starts with your family and then your family has ways of being that you then immediately think are normal (laughs) and ways of responding. So you think they're normal and then you look at your nation. And I mean, it, our nation tells us that it's normal for grown men to go onto a, um, what do you call those things? A playing field and beat each other up and give each other concussions. Uh, And broken legs and have arthritis by the time they're 30. You know, we act like that's all normal. And that the only thing that's weird is Donald Trump. And as far as our Muslim friends, not all, but some Muslim people think it's normal for women to be married off as chattel when they're, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. It's not just Muslims, but that women are supposed to be obedient. They think that's normal. Every society thinks things are normal, that are sick, that are destructive. And when do we take accountability for that? Every one of us. I'm not saying that white people or Western civilization is better than anybody else. Although for some, there is more um, uh, uh, toleration, shall I say, for homosexual people than others or that there's more opportunities for women or for minorities than others. But these ways of joining together and beating up the weak uh, and weakening people further so that they can't protest, this is an international issue and it's corroded our souls, every one of us. We accept things as being normal that aren't the way we slaughter animals for food. Uh, it's just, I mean, if we have to kill them, it's the way we do it, uh, the way we have just dumped toxic waste onto the planet. Um, I mean, I could go on for days and days and days about the things, the way that we turn people into competitors at the earliest age. That's yes. not normal.
2: No, it's not normal. It's certainly not healthy. And and what you're talking about, uh to me, again, is the challenge for us to not feel like we have been weakened by this loss if we are on the Democratic side, um, not to feel like we have been weakened by that loss and hopefully not become arrogant with the win, but to remember that the problems are still the same problems.
1: Exactly
2: that we've still got the same problems no matter who was elected president we've still got the same problems and maybe because of the shock of this presidential election yeah may, maybe some of the complacency that you're talking about beth that has broken your heart for 70 years yeah
1: maybe we will we will be jolted out of it a little bit i hope a little bit i do too i mean i You know, I tend to be a needless optimist, which is the only reason that I'm still alive. Right. Uh, uh, But, you know, this it would be a shame if we let this moment pass without wakening to the lack of consciousness. And I am not going to say that all Trump supporters were right either. Those who have followed Trump who were listening to the part that spoke to them, but ignored everything that was against everybody else. I don't condone that either, guys. No, of course not. (laughs) You know, I try to understand what motivated you, and I see you can maybe rejoice. And you know the white backlash, what they call it the white lash now, is on the march. But no, no. I'm white, and I say no. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we those who are ignoring the negatives of Trump in order to get that thrill of voting for the for the bad boy who is standing up to mommy and daddy is like, okay why don't we uh, join the gang of rebels? Uh, We might as well be gang members. Right. And we can go and kill off the opposition and put her in jail or some nonsense like that. You know, it's we are so I, I, I keep saying this over and over. I sound like an idiot. We are sick. <laughs> we are sick. We, ha- I we know. We are not, we are driven by our emotions to do things that in the light of day we would look at and say, did I really do that? I cannot believe that every member of a lynch mob was fundamentally a killer. No. But they got swept along. Because right. we don't stop and think and we don't have the courage to really stand up. So you're, you're right. This is not a time to stop. And I want to appeal to everybody for us to look at ourselves, to look within, to see what is real. I would love you to join the inner revolution in some way, knowing that only a shift in our consciousness to real oneness, accountability, and mutual support is going to make the difference that this election has brought to the fore.
2: Well, and one of the things that you and many other spiritual leaders have said is if you feel blocked, if you feel defeated, if you feel depressed, whatever that negativity is, take action. Yes. Take some action. Find some way of making a positive difference. And of course, that's what you're saying. You know, wake up. That, yes. that would be a huge positive difference. Wake up. And we've, we've got less than four minutes. I'd like todd to tell us what we're doing next week which is a very exciting show and then we'll come back for any closing comments that come to you
1: thank you
0: all right next week helen and i will be uh helping taking off the masks we all wear which is kind of related to today let's support everyone especially men and boys to get real have you ever felt outraged by the roles that men and women have been given in our world have you, ever been, have you ever suppressed your nature, hidden your weakness, felt blocked from love, been afraid to ask for help, or just felt a little intimidated by other people? If you're sick of wanting to impress, dominate, or win, or try and fit into some role that isn't you, join us. We'll be speaking with the Shanti Branch, founder of the Ever Forward Club, the Ever Forward Club helps at-risk young men learn to get real and find the emotional support they need to lead successful lives. We'll talk with him about his workshop, Taking Off the Mask, and explore with him, can we share our authentic selves while negotiating the often rigid pressure of cultural roles? There is surprising power in uncovering what we often hide, deny, repress, or ignore. What if we show the world what's behind our masks? Tune in and join us.
2: Thank you, Ty. That that's going to be a very exciting show, and of course, he was involved in the the documentary film, The Mask You Live In, and that's how we we found him. And if you haven't watched that film, you can find it on Netflix. It's a very powerful film uh, focused on men and how men hide behind masks and. That, you know, as you were talking about the e-card, it it brought me back to thinking about this week's show and how if, if everyone had been able to do, as you're saying, Beth, have a real conversation, take off the mask, stop trying to prove and compete and, you know, look cool, you know, where could we be? Where could we be?
1: And yes. I love the fact that you're going to have this uh, this conversation next week. We are still here. We are still making the revolution. There's people all over who care and who are awakening. This is the tide. And where we could be is where we all want to be in a world that is safe for everybody from the inside out, where the ego does not dominate. When, uh, you, know, when you were talking a minute ago about taking action – that The night of the election, I was like frozen, right, like so many of you, and um, I saw the way the wind was blowing, and so I, I went into my heart, I said, what can I do, and I thought the first thing I needed to do was to help support the people in my organization to live through this night without freaking out and to really do something positive, and that led to me writing two blogs that night. <laughs> And, you know, one blog was saying, Donald Trump, you say you're, you know, you're for us. Well, stand and deliver. And the other one was really reaching out to others to really ride the wave of change and um, to give it some shape. So I took action, Helen. That's and I agree with you completely. I cannot sit here and dwell on my fear of what's going to happen. I have to move forward knowing that this is bigger than we are and also having faith that there are people of heart and conscience all over the world who feel inspired to make the kind of change we're talking about.
2: And if you have a spiritual belief, lean into that right now and try to believe that there is a message and that together, if we stay clear and conscious, we can learn and grow from whatever comes. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us, Beth. You never disappoint. And uh, we love you. you. We love you. And we appreciate you coming today in the midst of, I know, a lot of stuff going on in your life. So thank you so much for taking the time out. And thank you, Todd, for all the support always. And I love you too. And I love all the audience. And we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us.